I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Yeah, it's too loud, baby. And the room a lot. Great job. Hello, 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 hello. You're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. As always, Chris Chang in the building. Say hello. Hi, I'm in the building. You are the building. You, I am the building. You am the building that I am in. Uh, um, if that's you, weird. If you're... <laughs> we, how, how many episodes in are we? Maybe 11 or so now? I can't count past four. You can't count past four. Maybe yeah, maybe about 11 episodes in. So if you're hearing this for the first time, if it was a New Year's resolution to listen to more food podcasts, <laughs> and this is the first one, uh, what we do is we, we're just two guys in Los Angeles who are not chefs, who are into cooking a lot, and we just talk stupid stuff about it sometimes we have guests on sometimes we don't um hugs sometimes we have breakthroughs sometimes we don't um but it's all always about food and you'll guarantee to hear some type of penis joke at some point as well so if you're not into that kind of it's all food toilet humor <laughs> uh you know if you're a mom who's older and not into, you know, if you go to church, maybe this isn't the food podcast for you. You're, Take them to church, Jason. If you thought I was Martha Stewart's nephew. Then you're right. Please listen to then us. Then you are correct. <laughs> Please up our listenership, yes. Martha Stewart. Um, Martha, she let us use her server down at Martha's Vineyard. That's not where she lives. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where she lives and where all of her servers are kept. In, uh... North Korean style in an underground vineyard bunker. Oh, you mean like humans, like servers? <laughs> yeah, like a servers. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you no, meant, no, that's not what I meant. Computer box. I meant computer is. servers. Like the a server is where a podcast would live, and underground is where Martha Stewart's servers live. You don't know any of this. <laughs> um. So yeah, what. So we just we're in the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve, dead smack in the middle. I have fully eaten all that I can eat, and I've my New Year's resolution of healthy eating and exercise has begun yesterday. <laughs> I have cheating. You got stomach flu. <laughs> that I honestly I I got a very bad stomach flu. I don't know how. I think it was, it's just a contagious 24-hour bug, but for the first time, and since I could remember, I did not eat food for two days, and I couldn't even drink water for, for a day, probably. Speaking of North Korea, <laughs> don't laugh. There's real hardship there in that nation. But yeah, my, uh, my leader did not allow me a single morsel. Do you mean your dear leader? My, my God. My dear leader. I'm sorry again. It's like he was born in a barn. <laughs> um, and one of my Christmas gifts from my mom 
my mom really came through this year. I got. She a, came through every year. She gave you life. <laughs> yeah, of course, every year. But this year, unexpectedly, didn't ask for it. I, I never asked for any Christmas gifts ever since I was probably 10 years old or something. But out of nowhere, the the home sous vide machine arrives under the tree, and I felt like a little kid getting a Nintendo 64. <laughs> Even though sous vide is not necessarily my thing, because I'm not rich, and you know, one of those for a long time was very expensive, and nobody had one except for a professional kitchen, and now you can get a home version for under $200 if you get it on sale, which is, which is cheaper than your Le Creuset Dutch oven. Not with gift cards. Not, not, with your, well, not with your gift cards. Jason, for listeners at home who maybe don't know what sous vide is, please explain. <laughs> Why do you laugh? It's a that's, thing. That's true. That's true. I just like your... I like your Spell delivery. it out. S-O-U-S S-O-U-S V-I-D-E V-I-D-E It's French. It's French. I've been learning, and I, I, I took a crash course on the internet about it, but it's, you know, for those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of people do know what it is, but for those who don't know, it's where you heat something in water that's inside of a plastic bag, and the water is controlled to a very precise temperature, and the water is circulated, and whatever you're cooking doesn't touch the water, so there's no surface contact so usually it's in a vacuum sealed bag but nowadays home users are just using a well sealed ziploc bag and that's a yeah if you don't seal it well enough it, it'll steam inside because there's moisture inside anything yeah, if you, that's if in you the don't bag. seal it well enough some of that water will get inside the bag and your you know you'll your hundred dollar ribeye that you that's aged for two months that you're sous viding will just turn into like a weird boiled steamed thing and it's gonna suck but you got to make sure that you really pack it in tight and uh when you're when you're uh putting the bag inside the water you use the 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 pressure of the water to air tighten the bag and then seal it which is a or you can put a little straw in the corner of it and suck all the air out before you close up the zip so what's the point of sous viding? The point of sous viding is to mainly heat proteins to whatever. I mean, you can do vegetables as well, but a lot of it is for proteins to a specific temperature and keep it at that temperature for a long period of time or a short period of time, however long you want, really. Not forever, but you can take, if you if you know that the perfect temperature of a ribeye steak, medium rare, is 128 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever it is. Then you can type that in specifically on your machine and put it in this bag and add whatever flavors you want. Garlic, butter, oil, thyme, rosemary, salt, pepper. Scorpions. Ketchup, scorpions, ranch dressing, crumbled up Doritos, <laughs> cookies and cream. Single tear from my nemesis, Steven. Ice cubes, a single tear from Steven. Whatever it may be, just used coffee grounds. Seal it in there and put the bag inside of the water. Type in that temperature and the entire steak will be a perfect medium rare. Not just the center where the outside is, 
is gray and the inside has a nice pinkness, the whole thing will be perfectly pink, tip to tail, from the basement. From nape to chops? From nape to chops, from the roof to the basement, fully that perfect medium rareness. And it will come to that medium rareness in about an hour or so, and it can stay that same medium rareness all day long. Are we are we turning into a actual food podcast right now? <laughs> we are turning. We're kind of turning into an actual sick. food podcast. And so, what happens if you know I have this perfect medium rare steak, and I still want like some sort of crust on it? Great question. Oh, thank you. And I'm experimenting with all that right now. Um, yeah, because when you pull your sous vide piece of meat out. Or your sous vide vegetable. When you pull your piece of meat out... When I pull my meat out... It's looking gray and defeated. It's looking... It's looking less than golden brown and delicious. Yeah, that's on a good day. It's not It's not seared. It's kind of... You know, it looks like a boiled... You know, it looks like you microwaved a piece of meat. It doesn't look good. But the inside is very, you know, luxurious. So... You would have to then sear it at the very end, super high heat searing, and then I'm I'm experimenting with it right now. I'm, I I have a, a pork tenderloin that I've been sous viding all day with some uh, some beer that I got for Christmas as well. It's like a super dark stout that was aged in bourbon barrels. So it's been sitting in that. Some Dijon, some red wine vinegar, some rosemary, some garlic ginger some lemons that i stole from my neighbor uh salt and pepper red chili flakes you know all the stuff that goes well with sage and it's just been cruising in there and then afterwards i'm gonna pull pull it after we're done with this pod pull the pull the loin out of the bag (laughs) dump all of this all of the marinating liquid that it's been cooking in into a pot strain out all the solid stuff and then just cook that down reduce that down into a sauce and then super super duper dry out the tenderloin until it's bone dry and then hit it on the cast iron that's been sitting you know for 10 minutes just as hot as it can get and just scorch the shit out of it for you know as long as it takes to get a good sear on all sides and the amazing part about it when, you, when you're done with that, you can slice it open instantly. You don't have to let it rest. Why is that? Because the sous vide cooks it so gently that none of the water... It, it doesn't get hot enough for the, the proteins to tighten and squeeze all the, all the moisture out. It's been brought up slowly to this temperature. Yeah. So if, if you were to sear it for a long-ass time, then you would want to rest it for a little bit, but... You know, when you're when you're searing after sous vide, it should only be for a minute or two, because you don't want to cook it any more than it already is. Right. So you can just you know, straight from the boom and just gets to slicing. All right. And there are ways you can experiment with searing it before, like do like a minute of sear and then sous vide, pull it out and then do another sous vide again to get some of those. My yard flavors into the sous vide beforehand. I know that you're a fan of the Maillard reaction. Yeah, shots goes out, Mr. Maillard. One of your favorite reactions yeah. in the kitchen. Mm. 
but I never thought I would be a sous vide man, but now it's very exciting, and I'm wanting to sous vide vegetables. Eggs are obviously very exciting. You can cook T-shirts for t-shirts. a cold day. <laughs> yeah, I can. You could you really could? <laughs> I could. I could warm my knickers in a plastic bag and pop them out whenever it is getting very cold here. Yeah. Uh, you know, just put some uh, put some undies and a and a pair of socks in a Ziploc. Toss in some mulling spices and let them sous vide overnight. <laughs> you wake up with a rash. <laughs> wake up with a. Uh, with Mueller's rash, yeah. which, you know. So uh, I think our listenership has completely changed in the past three minutes. <laughs> yeah? Like our demographic is no longer young, and it's we've hit the moms, I think. That's not true. I feel like moms are not sous-veeing. I feel like... Think the- kids our age? Sorry. Kids my age are, <laughs> are sous-veeing? I think the fact that this, this sous-vide machine, it looks... I mean, it it's called the... I forgot what it's called. But it's, I mean, it looks like a very modern, you t- it's like the Sansair, I think is what it's called. But it looks like a super modern thing. It looks like an alarm clock or like any type of... Con- uh, I don't know when the last time you looked at an alarm <laughs> clock was, Jason. I mean, not an alarm clock. If 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 you showed it to me, I would I would try to find out where I put my iPod into it. Sure. To, because it would look like a Bluetooth speaker system or something like that. Are we introducing souvening into the next generation? Well, I'm not. This company is. I mean, I've, we are single-handedly, yes, of course. But like, this company has found a way to make it. You know, this machine that nobody ever. Are could. we revolutionaries? We're revolutionaries. Cool. But you know, it retails for two hundred bucks, and my mom said she got it on some sick-ass sale, so it was less than that. So, if you're like a nerdy food person, like so many of our friends, that's a, you know, a pretty easy investment for. Tons of experimenting fun. You could do it all, bro. All right. Well, um, thank you for that. So we for so the next episode, or you can look on my Instagram, which is them jeans at Nagnans or at Nagnans. You should follow. You follow at Nagnans or sous vide photos. <laughs> and uh, I'll be trying out all kinds of sous vide experiments in the next coming months. Um, did you get any food stuff for Christmas this year, Chang? Um, you know, I got a bunch of like money and gift cards. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't think I've used any of it on uh, food stuff. What are you what are you going to use it on? Uh well, I mean the gift cards were all to very specific places. I've purchased a backpack which I guess I could carry. Well, that was a dope looking backpack. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, for for Christmas, you and you and my girlfriend gave me a joint present of. Oh, we did. We gave me a little Gel Pro mat of a Gel Pro kitchen floor mat, which is a great gift. That's definitely something that, as a person who's in the kitchen a lot, would never really think about buying. You well, talk I mean, about you, it all you, the time. You would think about buying, but it's it's not high on the list. There's there's much higher priorities than getting a comfortable squishy gel pad it's more of a luxury item you know well, now when we go to whole foods with you you won't bother the the shopping bag guy <laughs> and just when he steps away you won't just be standing on his yeah well feet. that's that's an, uh, an example of a perfect holiday gift you you're a nice enough friend to, to be observant of my activities throughout the year yeah, that was for me, so I don't have to hear you say that anymore <laughs> at Whole Foods. And but yeah, when you when you go to any supermarket or grocery store, the person bagging the groceries is on a rudimentary kind of foam cushion mat 
to uh, to give them a little stress relief over the hours while they're standing there. Yeah, like professional chefs by sixty can't really walk; they have just crumble knees. So much standing, and they, you know, and those are just like the hard rubber pads with holes in them, so they can kind of wash and clean easily. This is like I've got the the Rolls Royce one. It's like super super comfy, super squishy and luxurious. It's all. It's a it's a full fully loaded S class Benz, <laughs> all leather. It's black. It might be ostrich. It's not. I mean, it has a ostrich sort of texture. But it'll clean up nicely. And it will. I, it'll clean up very nicely. And it's making uh, it's much more enjoyable with no shoes on, mm-hmm. which you'd never get to experience in a Whole Foods unless you're homeless. Well, yeah. I really <laughs> um, well, this episode. Yeah, let's get to the meat of this episode. Let's get to the meat of this episode. Our appetizer's done. This episode will be uh, the last. The last time we did a pod, whereas just you and I, it was kind of like it was also a kind of a end of the year countdown. I don't remember. Was it? Oh no, it was a holiday gift guide. It was a holiday gift guide. It was no, a, well, Andre was there too. It was yeah. It was a list, like a listy thing. But this year, we when we were going on a walk yesterday, we decided. 2014 going into 2015, we will. Listeners at home, we're not lovers. <laughs> <laughs> for listeners at home, we, we are were not taking a stroll by the man-made reservoir. We went. We went for night. a Silver Lake Reservoir walk. If you live in LA, it's a very common thing to do. It's like uh, two men just walking around a very common recreational walking Poorly area. Poorly lit environment. Just two fellas. Perfect we for makeouts. Put our phones on silent. I turned off Chris's GPS. I know all the hiding spots. Um, I pinned him down under a park bench. <laughs> all right. So this episode. So we uh, we decided to do like five food things of 2014 that we feel like they have worn out their welcome. They've been overblown. We may or may not be sick of them. We're ready for them to be retired, and then also, and then also, trends or predictions or things we hope will be popular in the new coming we'll perpetuate year. Perpetuate in the new year. Yes, perpetual growth and expansion in the new year. <laughs> You're the one who said perpetuate. Yeah, this is the right word. Okay. That is a good one. Thank you. Well, do you want? Do you want to? Okay, we're going to start with the uh, out with the old first. Out with the old. Uh, should I start? We'll, we'll, yeah, you start. We'll do a one for one like last time. All right. This one's going to be controversial, and I'm not going to make any friends doing this. Hopefully, you know they what? all are. That's not, what we're here for. I'm not here to make friends. I'm we're the food to, uh, podcast that isn't. It's not your grandmother's food podcast. <laughs> we're not here to praise. Uh, we're the Motorhead of food podcast. Yeah, we are. Uh, number one, gluten allergies. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, and you know, granted, there are people that actually have you know negative bodily reactions to gluten. Mm-hmm. And I've read, you know, for the most part, anyone in recent times that has like you know in the past like ten, fifteen years that has developed sort of uh, adverse reactions to it was because our wheat in America is so like heavily like modified and it's just mm-hmm. pumped full of hormones and gmos and you know it's it's not the wheat that our bodies are supposed to ingest right. and you know that's sort of why 
people are having, you know, whether they're having allergic reactions or they're just, you know, sort of like placebo thinking, mm-hmm. I feel better when I don't have gluten. I'm like, well, if that's really your argument, don't drink or smoke or do drugs. Right. Because you, you feel horrible after those two. And yeah. None of us feel great after eating a whole pizza. Yeah. I mean, it's... But, uh, but you, if you're actually allergic, this is not for you. But if you, you know, if you're, uh, it makes me feel better and it's some like mm-hmm. fake health reason that you've made up. Yeah, maybe, maybe let them try, uh, you know, just wherever they're getting their gluten from, get it from a trusted source that hand right. makes get a it. Whole from, grain, whole wheat. Yeah, or, like you know, go to, a, go to a farmer's or... market, go to a bakery that you trust that doesn't have horrible ingredients into it and they make it with. With love and pride and no weird, creepy chemicals, and I'm sure that'll make you feel much better. Like Chris Rock, in one of his stand-up specials, said, you know, "Like timely reference like with Chris." Food food allergies are such an American thing. Like if you go to some village in Africa, there's no one with a gluten allergy there. That's true. <laughs> They'll eat what they can get. Or if you go to America ten years ago, yeah, no one had a gluten allergy. And also, I was I was reading, um, I was reading an old Tom Colicchio cookbook yesterday, Craft, uh, which was from like 2002, you know, a little over 10 years ago, and it's like a super outdated book now, which is weird, like just like most boring recipes of boring ass food I've ever seen in my life, but you know that's how everything was 10, 12 years ago, but every single recipe. For f- that involved frying, called for peanut oil, uh-huh. and now there's so much peanut allergy talk going on that every restaurant that was their favorite p- frying oil, it had a you know a neutral flavor, high smoke point. Everyone said it's the best oil for frying, and now restaurants can't do it anymore because, you know, in the last ten years, everybody is allergic to peanuts for whatever reason. And it's probably. I wonder if that. If that's it's a, probably for the same reason because peanut is obviously the most the cash crop versus me, like most a consumed nut crop. in the game. So you know th- they have to keep up with peanut demand, and that's how it's happening. So if everybody just ate, you know, expensive peanuts. If everyone just stopped being poor and buying expensive <laughs> peanuts from Whole Foods, then we wouldn't be in this mess. All right. <laughs> that was obviously a joke. You're you're up. Mm. For listeners at home, Jason's views are his own and not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start off with a, with a softball. Okay. That involves a, myself being angry um, about it, it, it is the snack which is known as the Snap Pea Crisp. You love the Snap Pea Crisp. The Snap Pea Crisp has been around for a long time. And it, this year, it recently became very popular. I see it at markets all the time. A lot of my friends are eating it. It's a hot item. It, it basically looks like a Cheeto in the shape and the color of a green pea. And a snap pea, you mean? <laughs> maybe even a snap pea. A snap pea. And it's sold in like the it's sold in the produce section of supermarkets. And it's really deceiving because it looks like a pretty healthy treat. It's they say it's baked and 
you know, it's made all out of peas and it's all natural and all that stuff. And then I was at a supermarket and saw, you know, how they have the little hundred calorie snack bags of like cookies and yes. stuff like that. They had a hundred calorie snack bag of the snap pea crisps and it was so small. It's like four in there. It Yeah, it was like, it was, it was, a, the bag was about the size of a CD. Like it was, it was like a four by four inch bag. And that was like the hundred calorie pack. And it was probably, you know, a tenth. <laughs> it was like a tenth of however many Snappy Crisp were in a regular bag that I would easily eat all to myself. Just hand bone. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, watching Netflix, munching on some Snappy Crisps hungover with the Pellegrino. Nothing better. So many better things. But, uh,. <laughs> But I say, shame on you, Snap P. Chris, for fooling us all into thinking you were healthy. So, 2014, get out of here. I might as well just be eating Cheetos like how I want to. But if Cheetos can make a green Cheeto, that would be, be sick. But you, here's the thing is uh, that sort of deception happens everywhere. And that stuff's always bothered me. Like Trader Joe's, Galson's Whole Foods, people think these are like, for some reason or another... How their brands have like you know aligned with a certain demographic or lifestyle. Like people think that everything at these supermarkets are organic, mm-hmm. and they're not. They're a lot of times just expensive, including Whole Foods. I love you, but you know I'm gonna call you out on this because I love you mm-hmm. and I want to see you hurt yourself. Whole Foods does listen. Whole Foods, um, you used to pride yourself on being the first fully organic supermarket you in changed, the United bitch. States, and now you have. I think it's it's called like traditional or you know uh I don't know but you know they right. they have organic apples and then they have I think it's it's something like a traditional apple which is not an organic apple and you know I'm not I'm not the organic bible beater here like right I think some of the standards are you know off and like people have been doing it forever and if you want to be labeled organic you just have to take this very expensive, you know, test and series of whatever, and it's, you know, it's stupid, but but I feel like it's deceptive to keep flaunting yourself as the, you know, mm-hmm. sorry, I just not. If you're going to charge people Whole Foods organic prices and fool everyone into thinking that you're the healthy spot, you got to at least deliver. Yeah, or I'll go to Smart and Final and save money. Yeah, if you can get the same yeah, shit. If I'm going to get hormones at Whole Foods, I might as well get hormones at Smart and Vinyl. Mm-hmm. Parking's easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Chang, you're up next. Am I up? I feel like I overtook your one because I'm angry. No, that's why we have a long-form podcast right. before we can just stroll on through. Um, this is my like other uh, lofty one, and the other ones are pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> fetishization of Asian food oh. in modern American culture. And it's not necessarily... A 2014 thing. It's like a you know the past. It's been going on for a while. Few years thing. With 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 your women, it's been going on for decades. <laughs> uh, with your uh, with your. Wait, what is your girlfriend, Jason? <laughs> White man, Jason. Uh, I don't have an Asian girlfriend. I'm not. Hey, man. It's it's true. It's a true fact. Anyway, I feel like we've hit peak yellow fever in in food, and. 
that's fine, you know, whatever. But people always find out I'm Korean and they'll ask me, what's the best Korean restaurant in L.A.? What should I go to? And I never know how to answer that because, you know, I have my spots. But for the most part, I just want to eat, like, at the Whole Foods salad bar or Chipotle, like, on a regular basis. Right. And I You're flesh and blood just like us. Yeah, like, I sort of feel like, you know, the Asian girl at UC Berkeley in her sophomore year who's... <laughs> like the, the guy Craig from the C plus plus class is coming up to her and just being like, "You're exotic." Like I feel like that, and it's C plus plus class. <laughs> and you know, I'm not gonna say any names, but you know, chef from Portland, maybe. <laughs> 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 I don't want to throw any shade, but you know, do you? Th- how much of that do you think is Roy Choi's fault? Uh, I don't know, because I. Uh, I really don't know because I don't think. He yeah, was, I don't know. I think it was a it was a combination of a lot of different things I think building it was Yelp. up. I really think it was Yelp. Asians do love Yelp, but, but it's not just Asians. It's like people were scared to go into certain neighborhoods. Like, oh, that's true. If I eat Thai food, I'm gonna get diarrhea, and then you find out on Yelp, <laughs> it looks a certain way. This is how it's supposed to taste. You have it, and you're like, all right, cool. This is cool. I'm gonna tell all my friends about it, and that's fine. You, like I'm, I would rather. Have there be a Thai town where people can go enjoy Thai food made for that demographic mm-hmm. versus a Thai restaurant opening up in, I don't know, let's say Silver Lake and <laughs> and making the food, you know, sort of palatable for Silver Lake because that I feel like is modified for Silver Lake. And then it becomes exotic and then, you know, back to the idea of fetishization and all, all that. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, like David Chang is not making, you know. He's not making what is traditional Asian food because no. he's in parts of you know the city that aren't heavily Asian. He's having other people make he it gets, for him. No, but he yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> That's a different argument. But you know, like he gets his demographic, and he's like, here's Asian food, uh, like translated through this neighborhood and try it. You know. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's fine, but I don't know. I'm I'm just ranting. Well, your your point goes straight and directly into one of mine on the list of things that need to go for this year, which is white people kimchi. Let's hear it, buddy. Our artisanal kimchi's oh, no, yeah. from like you know Brooklyn companies. Or whatever it might, you know, a Silver Lake company making this, you know, expensive ass jar of kimchi that's this, you know, the size of a, just a little, little baby, you know, eight ounce jar of kimchi that costs $12. That's some, you know, that is just, you know, nobody wants it kind of thing. It's just... But now it's like, you know, I don't have to go to the Korean supermarket with all the weird Asian people. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can just go to, you know, they can go to the, get their one kimchi at Whole Foods. But, you know, it's, 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 it almost seems offensive to Korean people who have been making kimchi for centuries or whatever. I don't know. Like, I don't want my point to come across as being white people should make American food and Korean no, no, this is, food. You, like, you, I don't want that. You to, get to say yellow fever. I get to talk show on white people. Okay. I, like, I don't want that to be what people take away from this. Cause I absolutely think everyone should try cooking whatever they want. You know? Sure. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But you know, kimchi is just, it's like ketchup for you guys. It's just, it's just there. Come on, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's such a common, not so, 
you know, expensive. You buy it in a big ass gallon jar and you eat it with everything and it's been made and dialed in for so many years and it's awesome and delicious and everyone has their own little spins on it and it's fun and unique and you know i don't want to see sideburns guy making it and charging 12 dollars for eight ounces of it yeah that's the thing is like he's charging 12 dollars and his argument's gonna be well i'm using all locally sourced organic this and mm-hmm. this and it's like Actually, you know, just to quote our boy Colicchio again, like <laughs> he he said in one thing, like I am opposed to the idea of local sourcing because you know, of course, I want to help everyone out. But in terms of running a restaurant, if I am in New York and the best possible lobster I can find is from this fishing village in Maine, why would I try to get some gross like Hudson River lobster? Mm-hmm. Like it's local to them in Maine, sure. But for me, it's also the best possible lobster I can get. Right. But, you know, back to Brooklyn kimchi guy, like, he's going to say I'm using all these, you know, locally sourced organic ingredients. It's like with with a lot of, you know, sort of dirty hole-in-the-wall Asian restaurants, at least in Los Angeles, I can't really speak for anywhere else in the country, the magic is that it's kind of like, you know, not necessarily the best produce. And with something like kimchi is like, like kimchi jjigae even, like, you're supposed to use kimchi that's like, you know, at the end of its run, you know, mm-hmm. like, like the magic is not using the ingredients that you think are the best possible flavor, but sort of what works together the best. It, like, yeah. like a margarita, like I, I think there are tons of expensive tequilas, but I would never make a margarita. Where, you mm-hmm. know, there's like Casadores versus Milagro Silver, let's say. Milagro Silver, you know, in terms of price point is is cheaper and... If you look at all the ratings, it's lower, but I personally think it matches better with Cointreau. And so that is my ideal margarita mm. for a certain price point, you know? And it's it's not always about the best ingredients, quote-unquote, because there's no best. It's whatever will work for the application. I'm with you. So whatever, Brooklyn guy. Amen. All right, Chang, you're up. God, we're so angry today. I love no, well, this. Well, this is the angry part. All right. So Umami Burger... Uh, your empire has just grown immensely this past year you opened up plant check on the west side and on fairfax Mm -hmm. Uh, you're opening up umami's everywhere you're opening up 800 degrees um kill yourself (laughs) but you know like sell off 800 degrees because i actually really like 800 degrees okay the pizzeria yeah um but plan check sucks and umami burger sucks and (laughs) i don't get why people think you're good (laughs) so i (coughs) hope there's a great flood that somehow only takes out your restaurants. A great foot. Yeah, well, I that was also on my list of Love you, of things for 2014. These type these types of fancy, overthought out, precious like mid price points. Yeah. Um. I yeah. You know, in the last year or two, they've had a full, huge rise, and I think people. Are starting to be done with burgers. I mean, not people are never going to be done with the burger. It's it's a beloved food, but hopefully, it's starting to go back to something that, as a delicacy that you have for a treat, and not something that is just everywhere you see because it just got 
Yeah, I don't think it's reinventing the wheel. And also, everybody has such a strong opinion on how a burger should be done. It's hardly ever how you would want it to be. Whenever you go to a restaurant, it's um, it's never... There's always something that you could make it better. And it's a lot more painful when you spent $14 on that burger because it has you know, some dumb thing on it that you didn't want. And, you know, it's like... Um at what point is it still a hamburger? Like, sure. Perfect example: your mom's holiday cookie recipes. I thought, well, you know, there's some sort of almond product in these cookies. Uh, let's, you know, look up what works with almonds. And then I was like, oh, well, cherry. I can use a cherry jam on it. Maybe I'll grind some coffee into it because I know coffee and cherry and whatever. And you know, it's Christmas. Maybe I grate some orange zest into these cookies. And it was just. It was a completely different cookie. It just wasn't what we were going for. And like, at what point is it still a hamburger? Because to me, that's just a ground up like steak, a ground up like version of like steak tips on a brioche. Like, it's not a hamburger anymore. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would like. I, I'm sure there is somebody out there who will make a scientific graph of at what point does it not become a burger anymore? What would you then call it? Stupid. <laughs> A stupid sandwich? Yeah. I think stupid sandwich works. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, after a certain point, it ain't a burger. No. Well, do you think that hot dogs are going to make a leap this year then? No, because like people tried with like fancy sausages, but it's like a, a sausage and a hot dog are such completely different animals. <laughs> like, like, actually. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know what I mean. Like, There's nothing like a hot dog. Hot dogs are. Hot I feel like hot dogs are. are I'm going to add that to my 2015 list. Just a regular ass hot dog might yeah. be making a good comeback. Good. I, I, <laughs> good. I genuinely want that. I, I love me a hot dog. At the end of the day, I'm usually more satisfied with a hot dog than a hamburger. I, I am too if I have like two of them or three of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's. A hot dog is much more forgiving. There's a lot more that can go wrong with a burger. Like if right. you if you have a hot dog that's undercooked, fine, it's already cooked. Yeah. If you have a hot dog that's overcooked, who cares? Still I'll pretty still fucking good. Yeah. If you have a hot dog and you just squirt a little mustard on it, delicious. Perfect. You have a hamburger and you just squirt a little mustard on it. Stupid. Stupid. You got you know there's there's too many things that can go wrong with a burger, which is why it's so special. So maybe now that we're all getting dumber, hot dogs are on the rise. All right. Am I up? Sure. Uh, beet salads. <laughs> like beet goat cheese walnut salads with like some arugula. There's nothing, you know, you're not doing anything new. So the beet, uh, just the regular old beet no, salad I, I has love, goat cheese yeah, in it. I'm, this is not anything against beets because I love shredded beets and, you know, I'll eat beets. But a cubed Beet goat cheese walnut salad is like come it's on. So tired. That's like you know what year is this for that to be fancy? So please stop doing that. It's not delicious. It's a stupid combination. Same with quinoa. I'm done with quinoa. You're done with <laughs> but quinoa. But I've never been a huge quinoa fan. Do you have a salad on your list of 2015 to take its place? The beet salad? Yeah. Anything. And it, well, what 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 salad would you like to see take More the of? place? Uh, like, do you see a new salad emerging that's going to be the new beet salad, perhaps? Um, I don't. Like, what other sort of root vegetable has been romanticized like the beet? 
Um, not so much root, but cauliflower. What, yeah, what, what is a what is a beet? Is it not a root vegetable technically? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but I mean, like, it's not a root vegetable, but it's you know, along those lines, sort of. I feel like I would like to see ideally something that you and I have been doing lately, uh, just shredding Brussels sprouts as the green base for salad. I agree. I would like to see a lot more of that. Well, that is one of my bye-bye list items is the roasted Brussels sprouts. Is the roasted Brussels sprouts with bacon. Love you, dog. Get it out of here. We're done with it. Uh, Brussels sprouts are delicious, of course. And I do love, you know, having them and then finally chopping them into little thin. You You mean cutting them in half? Not like I heard that originally as like just having. I like having them. The end. (laughs) I like cutting them in half, raw, and then thinly slicing and shredding them into little strips and using that as a salad base. Yeah, and I also think it should replace, like, which is not new. I think it should replace cabbage and like coleslaws because it's sort of got the same consistency, and you know, in terms of. I feel like a lot of cabbage is just water nowadays. Well, there's a lot of differences because cabbage <clears throat> it can withstand a lot more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bigger version of it. But in terms of you know being able to have bigger chunks of it, you know, cab. Some people like the bigger crunch and chunk. You know, with a with a thin Brussels sprout, once you shred it and you toss it with vinaigrette, it turns pretty. It wilts pretty quickly. Got it. It's like a like a steak coming out of the sous vide bag. Uh, side note: This isn't on my list, but speaking of like tired dishes like that, truffle fries. Get out of here. <laughs> no one needs you. <clears throat> truffle fries. Truffle oil in general. Get out of here. I agree. Truffle oil. Get out of here. But not truffles. Truffles are cool. Truffles are cool. Yeah, I mean, truffle oil for a long time has been. It's weird because you see it on these like TV cooking shows all the time. Where somebody in the last minute, they'll be making this dish, and at the very end, like you see it on Chopped all the time, they'll pull out the truffle oil and just, you know, shake a tablespoon of it all over whatever That's they made. so much. And every single judge is just like, oh, no, don't do it, no. And they do it, and it, it, it happens all the time, so like... It's a false crutch. Like, they think it'll make it exotic, but it, unless you have a really, really simple dish, it's... It just becomes a truffle dish. Yeah. But I, you would think that everybody knows that by now, but that, that's a good barometer to see if somebody is a uh, watches a lot of food TV or not. <laughs> if, <laughs> if they know that truffle butter is the, uh, the forbidden fruit that you should not open up. So we should, we should start some type of truffle oil recycling program. What, do we, what would we do with it? Like the thing where they tell... If you if you turn in your guns, they'll will give you a Walmart store credit or something like that to get criminals arrested. Uh-huh. The same thing. Turn in your truffle oil, but, and then that's when we get them. But what would we do with it? Well, we'll what if we fed it to like pigs and pigs just ended up being super like perfumed? There you go. That's something. That's horrible. Just put it into our pig feed. No, but then it's pigs will all just taste like truffles. This is exactly. Well, what just, I just a little bit. It'll just be a. Here. It'll be a slight. Whisper hint, or whatever truffles go well with. You know, just feed it to your chickens so the eggs taste a little truffly. Mm-hmm. 
Or just uh, soak your potato seeds in truffle oil. <laughs> That's not how or just, <laughs> Or just like spill it in your friend's car as a prank. Or feed it to your grandma. <laughs> I don't know why you would do that. All right. Uh, my last one of the no-nos list mm-hmm. is uh, like the uh, online grocery delivery. And I'm not talking like mass scale for like, you know, Costco or like Vaughn's orders for an office. I'm talking like Postmates or like your ingredients for dinner that night. I'm really against that because just, you know, as someone who enjoys cooking, if and even if you're not someone who cooks that often or whatever, like if you know you're making dinner that night, you've carved out time to like prepare the meal and pick up the ingredients and stuff and and I think especially with like produce or like meat, it's like not every single cut of meat is the same. Mm-hmm. Not every tomato is the same. I think there's like yeah. a very, I don't know if, if respect is the right word, but like it's a very intimate thing to like pick out what you're going to make food with and like smelling, you know, smelling the fruit or, you know, mm-hmm. the vegetable and making sure it's it's ripe or it's where you want it to be. and Making sure your steak has the right marbling that you're looking for. Yeah, making I, sure that you're getting the piece of chicken that isn't halfway frozen. Right. An avocado that's the right ripeness. Like those Postmates clowns don't care. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And if you saw, you know, if, if you saw their fresh dill for the day, if you knew it looked that bad, then you would not have ordered it right. kind of thing. And also going to the market before you cook is is part of it. Pay part of dues. it all. You go there, you smell the smells, you get inspired, you be you be looking through the aisles and yeah, you're like, "Oh and, my god, this mm-hmm. I forgot." And then, "Oh, this wine would go well with this." Right. And Oh, what if we added a little blue cheese to it? What's up? How's it going? I did not bring my own bags. Not a Russian bride. I will go. It's a head of cauliflower. You can't order it online. Um, all right. I've got a few more of the negatives. You got a few more. We did five. I know. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one short on the positive, so I'll, I'll go a little extra on the negative. Uh, salt baked fish. Salt baked fish. I, I only defend it because that cool gif that Gwyneth Paltrow's people made for goop. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I'll defend it. But say your thing. Salt baked fish looks great on Pinterest and Bon Appetit, but when you do it yourself, it's kind of a pain in the ass and it's not really that awesome. Uh, you have to buy a shitload of salt. And it's like a kind of a whole big ordeal. And when you finally do finish cooking it, I haven't really been able to taste a big difference from just cooking it how you would normally cook it it's before. Just another technique. Yeah, I think it's more show than go. I mean, obviously. What about? I remember our last guest, Josh Pressman, was talking about making like a salt meringue. Yeah. And crack it. Then, See that 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 was more interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. Or or salt salt baking, the beets. Mm-hmm. I think you said or potatoes. Is potatoes. Any root vegetables really? But and I what, bet but, it leaches off some of the proteins. But the when you're too. but we we're also saying when you're in a restaurant and you have when you want to get salt and you get it out of a fifty gallon trash can because you have an industrial level of salt, then no big deal. But to a home chef. 
it's kind of a lot of salt. You have to go and spend, you know, $10 on salt or something like that just to do this. And, you know, it's all for a photo pretty much. I, it's, it's never, you know, it's never really that awesome for me at least. Bye. Prove me wrong, guys, hopefully. But, you know, if you, you know, just put it under a broiler, fry it up, eat it raw, whatever you got to do. But salt bacon, save it for the Pinterest, I say. See you later, salt bake. Bake you later, buttholes. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> what is it? Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. That's right. Yeah, salt bake. All right, Chang, you're up. For posse? We're going to go posse. Are you not done with your necks? I can do some more necks. Finish up your necks, and then we'll do posies together. Like All a family. Okay. Uh, ramen. I'm with you on that. I think ramen is awesome and delicious, but 2014 was a little too ramened out, and much like the burger, it should be something as a rare delicacy, and it's being shoved down our throats a little bit too much, and it is obviously good, but it's really not good for you. It's and not. Everyone I always get ramen with is like, you know, it's just mostly soup. And I'm like, no, it's like pork fats, pork bones. It's so much fat and salt. It's like eating a stick of butter and then drinking, uh, like, you know, a little thing of salt. It's really not great for you. It is deceptive. And, you know, I mean, uh, it, it, there's definitely worse things to eat. And it does have some... Like a stick of butter. <laughs> it does have some healing values. You know, like a warm bone broth has a lot of healing... <laughs> A lot of healing uh, capabilities, you know. People will say that, yeah, I get it, bone broth. What? I didn't say anything. <laughs> like cooking down marrow bones for broth and drinking that medicinally has been proven to have a lot of benefits. So you, I'm sure you have some of that heartwarming bobby blahs going on. But other than that, it's just that stuff with noodles. There's pretty much no vegetable going on. And it's and it's just kind of fat on fat on fat. It's delicious, but uh, that but you know the white man has really come in and just gone ramen crazy, and uh, you know I say take a take a ramen break. Can I add one negative? You can add as many negatives as you'd like to. Pizza is a trend. Stop it. Everyone gets it. Pizza's great. Uh, we don't need to see your tattoos. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell the internet how much you love pizza. Uh, and cats, you know, people like cats. We get it. <laughs> so if you have pizza and cats tattooed on your body, kill yourself. So if you like, <laughs> that's my thing today. Just often, most of the people in the if world. If you like pizzas and Netflix and not having a boyfriend and your cat, then uh, you're our target demographic. Yeah. One and number get two, cut it out. Here. It's a bad habit Listen, to get into. Jason, do you like pizza? Yes. I like pizza too, but you know what? Every single person likes pizza. Uh, we don't, yeah, exactly. Everyone in the world likes pizza, so stop talking about it on the internet. Like, mm-hmm. you need some club to be a part of. Do you think the guy who wears the t shirt that says, Dominoes. I dig, <laughs> dig blowjobs is cool? Yeah, because that's what you're doing with pizza. It's the same thing. Obviously, you like him. All right, next. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that, well, that can segue into my positives. I want. I want regular pizza to come back and done well and not much like the burger where the burgers turn into these dumb blown out things. Um, and I want, and pizza has done the same. Everyone thinks pizza is, has to be this, has to be from an Italian wood oven 
that's a thousand degrees and it's the napolitano style with san marzano tomatoes and semolina flour and fresh uh one leave of fresh basil and fresh mozzarella and and anything else is sacrilegious and it has to be you know you have to buy an oven that costs as much as a house, and it's a whole thing. You want a slice of New York pizza, just like a cheese. Yeah, it's it, 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 it obviously is good and delicious, but it's not as satisfying as just a really well-done slice of pizza. Coming from my white man, American, California I'm, standpoint. I'm with you. But I, mean, I feel like most Americans would agree with that. Yeah, like New York pizza and Italian pizza are completely different things. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think there should be any sort of argument like people in New York are doing pizza, you know, arguably better than most parts of Italy. It's like, oh, well, it's just a different yeah, thing. It's I'm, different. You know, hot dogs differently than a. But hopefully, hamburgers. 2015, the trend of doing that traditional American style pizza, but done really well and really awesomely. Hopefully, that becomes a trend because I'd like to see that. You know, just making a classic. Pepperoni and cheese pizza, not too thick, not too thin. Regular sauce. You put some oregano and some Parmesan on there and you eat it. If you're really drunk, you could even dip it into a little ranch. But you're making it with really <laughs> really nice homemade sauce. And you have good quality mozzarella. And you're making the dough with good ingredients and good yeast. And letting it raise and proof for a few, hours, few days or whatever it might be. You know, you're not just using Cisco sauce and Cisco cheese. and. But isn't that the magic of certain... Pizza? It definitely I can be. I feel like that is exactly what you're talking about, though. It definitely can be. But, you know, with the right level of experimentation, you could find just a really dope... You know, kind of just like how Shake Shack right. or is doing, you know... Like Village Pizzeria in Los Angeles, I think, nails exactly what you're talking about. Sure. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Just keep it classic. Don't don't muck about. Do give them what they want. Use the little ass like pepperonis that curl up and like mm. they pull the oil in the middle. Just like little like the, yeah, the little ass pepperoni that oh, curls up. So great. Oh, you're really making me want to like, slice the pepperoni. We should go to pizzeria not today because we were making dinner, but some <laughs> other time. Yes, another time. Um, so my you know top five for things I would like to see continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably comes as no surprise if you know me, but uh, kale. <laughs> kale swiss shard just collard greens just any any sort of bitter leafy greens so all the dark greens keep them coming i think if you can substitute that for iceberg lettuce in any salad mm-hmm. i get it it's a different flavor profile or whatever but uh you know one one leaf of dark ass chard is way better for you than one leaf mm-hmm. of water essentially if you're going to be if you're up. eating your yeah, if you're eating like salads because you're trying to be healthy, like do it right. Like still get your iron in, still get your fibers yeah. in. You might as I mean, cause like a a raw leaf of kale or shard or whatever, all those things became super trendy and popular, not because of the flavor, but because they were like, hey, the healthiest green is kale. Have you ever steamed kale? It actually smells like a hot garbage can. <laughs> but you know, like throw it in wherever. But, but you the can. thing is, when you're making a salad. You're going to cover it with all this other stuff anyways, and it's going to taste like whatever salad dressing you put on it, so you might as well be getting all those nutrients and vitamins. I'll, I'll throw it in a classic chopped salad, 
on top of like the iceberg in a chopped, Ooh. I'll throw it in a Caesar on top of the remains. Mixing still. and mingling. Yeah, like I try to double up my greens whenever I make salads because why not? So you get the traditional flavor of a Caesar. It's your world, still. girlfriend. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> do me. Okay, I see you. Uh, throw it in eggs if you're making soup. Like, just throw it in where people can't really. If people are averse to the flavor, let me throw it in like a soup, and they can't taste it. Yeah, throw yeah. it in. Just uh, but bitter dark greens. Like I'm all about them. Put a little Molly in her drink. She ain't even known. Okay. Put a little hey, kale. Hey, in your, Rebox on the phone. Put a little kale in your soup. You didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Um. All right. What's Molly for the listeners at home, Jason? Molly is a ecstasy drug. <laughs> Jason's mom, really? <laughs> Pure ecstasy drug, in powder form, easily ingestible. Uh, do you know what a gay guy's favorite drug is? Poppers. MDM. Hey. <laughs> Great. All right. Your next positive. Uh. <laughs> Are you gonna get in trouble for that one? No. All right. Not for that. There's. Okay. That was a. That was a PG thirteen joke. Okay. We've said much worse things. Um, like penis. I say a trend that will be coming, uh, that will be surfacing. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of it, but I feel like it's coming, which is uh, French French cuisine becoming popular again. Just in terms of how all trends, you know, rise and fall in, in music and fashion and and art and everything. Uh, French food has really been down for the last, you know, 20 years or so, maybe. Pourquoi? You know, like 60s, 70s, eight, you know, 80s, French cuisine was super popping. People didn't know how bad it was for you. It's obviously delicious because it's just nothing but butter and cheese and and beef and meat and snails and everything. And, you know, Italian food really rose up, Asian food, Mexican food, all these other foods that were a little more vegetable-oriented, grilled, you know, steamed, stewed, you know, barbecued, all these, all these things which are not French have really risen and taken over. And now that all of that has kind of plateaued, I feel like we're going to return to kind of that traditional fatty french cooking again great do you like that i do and it's not all french my waistline doesn't like it am i right ladies ladies are not your waistline ask your waistline (laughs) Uh, i think uh you know french food gets a bad rap in that sense but a lot of country like south of france food like provence it's mostly vegetable based it is like ratatouille is healthy af Ratatouille, Sorry, healthy ratatouille. AF. That's true. That's just a uh, that's just a prediction of mine. Right. I'm not saying I necessarily want it to happen, but I feel it bubbling, much like a uh, like your your stomach after you much like a, uh, a a a rabbit a rabbit pie. That's uh, that's, that's <laughs> it'd be like a rabbit stew. No, oh, okay, a rabbit a rabbit stew a rabbit pot pie. Uh, Don't next... make a terrine out of me. Hurt <laughs> <laughs> um, I My next thing that I would like to see more of is more raw food. And I don't mean that in like... The, I agree. I don't mean that in like the vegan, raw, organic way, like a raw diet. I mean like I think the less you cook food, 
the more you taste how it's actually supposed to taste. And, you know, within the past few years, people have realized, well, you know, people have always realized, but I think it's become sort of more in the public eye that you can, you can uh, cook pork to, like, pink. Mm-hmm. And if it's good quality, clean pork, you're fine. There's, you know, Japanese people are doing all sorts of crazy things. And yeah. there's Jidori chicken coming from Japan, which yeah. you can eat raw. They eat raw all the time. We'll be eating pink pork in about 15 minutes, pal. And, you know, same with vegetable. <laughs> same with vegetable. I, I think vegetables, I think everything you should. Well, there are. There all are, your items that you, you buy for, like, you should eat raw if you can. And typically, on a nutritional level, it's much right, better for you. Right, because you haven't well. taken anything out vis-a-vis heat. There are some arguments and experimental thoughts that say some vegetables and ingredients actually benefit nutritionally by cooking them. I've heard like spinach. I've heard like spinach. You're like your body is able to absorb the nutrients better for some. You know that's arguable. I don't. I don't really picture that being true. I feel like eating it raw the way uh, baby Jesus put it on the earth for you is the way you're supposed to take it down. Um, You know, a little Parmesan on top, of course. But uh, I I agree with you. I feel like it's going to be easier. When you're eating the raw foods, you're eating them the way nature has designed them for your body to digest. And your body needs to, you know, that's the way it's like, you know, you're putting gasoline in your car with no additives. It's going down easier. Like, have you ever heard of a, a lion? Like, I you have. know what a lion is? Yeah, it's like a king of the jungle. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a lion with a gluten allergy? <laughs> it's because he's not eating anything that's been ruined by humans. That is true. Well, I guess eating a, it raw. But have you ever asked a lion if he's allergic to gluten? No, I'll get exactly. back to you on that. Um, <laughs> All right, my prediction, next prediction for 2015, the, pun intended, rise of bread making. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, in, you know, in the 80s and 90s, bread making had a pretty big trend. There were little homemade bread makers that every mom had. You know, I grew for, up with one. For the kitchen counter, but but they were bread making more for novelty's sake and less for whatever other any other reason you know just like oh i made bread pretty good uh, <laughs> but you're still just using who is that supposed to be <laughs> all moms all right uh but i feel like because of the whole gluten thing and because we're so careful and particular about what we're putting into our bodies now that we're starting to be done with you know, bleached all-purpose flour or, you know, any type of all-purpose flour where you buy, you know, 10-pound chunk of it for 99 cents at at the supermarket, whatever. I feel like that's going to go the way of the dodo and we will be introduced to buying grains kind of like how we would buy coffee beans Coffee is super popular now. You buy these artisanal beans that are hand-picked and selected from trusted purveyors. And I feel like grains are going that same route where you would go to a place and say, we have these, this wheat or this rye or this barley or whatever it might be. It's been 
blah 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 harvested in bars. It was in Fresno or Bakersfield, and you know it, Bakersfield. Bakersfield, yeah, exactly. It was a Bakersfield wheat. Uh, I never even thought about that, but you know, <clears throat> and you will go and you'll say, "Let me get a pound of that wheat," and then they're going to have this big, awesome machine that's going to grind it down to whatever powder size you want for whatever you're going to be doing and people are going to make their own bread at home because they don't want it from the fucking creepy ass corporate bread man anymore how much is a pound of flour going to be though i don't know but it'll obviously be i mean just like coffee you can get folgers or you can get the or you can get four barrel whatever or you can get heart i'm sorry Shame on you. You could you can get a pound of it for twenty three dollars, or you can get a pound of it for three ninety nine. I bought a very nice baguette on the way over here, and this was like a dollar ninety nine, Jason. I know. <laughs> so the price points are going to have to be real good. Well, luckily, wheat is not very expensive. Right, but you know, time, effort. I know everything involved is going to have to be real worth it. But put it in, put it in the same regard as coffee. Yes. I mean, when you like a a a bag of heart coffee, which is not even a pound. No, it's twelve ounces. No, it's sixteen ounces. Is it sixteen? Yeah. Okay, sixteen ounces of coffee. It'll last you a week. How long would it last you? Uh, well, it's I I use it in an office full of people who drink a lot of coffee. Realistically, lasts us like two, maybe three days. Okay. And that's you know multiple pot like multiple Chemex Mm -hmm. a day. That we're making twenty three dollars a bag sometimes fifteen sixteen dollars a bag no way I've seen yeah. I've seen heart for twenty three before certain kinds you, you've seen yourself getting ripped off then <laughs> I don't pay for that that myself I get it at a wholesale but that's beside the fact but it's fucking expensive coffee is expensive as shit into a dick swinging contest Jason <laughs> <laughs> but you know we we come from uh, a a land where our parents would buy a cup of coffee anywhere and it costs four cents, you know, fifty nine cents, and it tasted the same everywhere, and it it did what it did, and you drank it, and it was good. And now coffee, if you want to pour over, it costs five dollars. You're right, and that is insane to everybody who is a generation older than us. You're right. You're absolutely right. Same full grain. All right. All right, Chang, you're up. Uh, something I would like to see more of, which uh, if I heard anyone else say this, I'd probably cringe, but a rise in home gardening or foraging. Oh, that's cute. And that goes back to my, you know, me talking about sort of it's a very intimate thing to know your ingredients. And, and I think if you raise them for slaughter, like not farming, but. If you've grown these radishes, they're going to just taste a little better to you. You know what you've put into them. And I think it's a very rewarding thing to eat what you've grown. I agree. Like your children. <laughs> like your children. Or radishes. It's very true. It's very, very true. When, uh, you know, I haven't done much home gardening, but I grew up in a home that grew vegetables. And, and you know, we would always get a summer harvest of tomatoes, and it would just. You would just eat a tomato without anything else. You'd just be like, oh, this is a tomato. I'll just pop it in my mouth, and you taste like, holy shit, this tastes super good. Sun-kissed. It's been sitting there under your bedroom window for months, getting perfect, and you've been watering it and maintaining it, and that shit tastes bomb as hell, bro. 
Um, well, I hope that happens as well. I have some chives and some rosemary growing out front right now. The, the the live chives that you gave me. The lives? Yeah, the lives. They're sitting out there. You planted them outside? Uh, no, they're just in a deli cup sitting okay, outside. Yeah. Like a uh, like that weird brain cartoon that lives inside of a clear plastic jar. Yes. <laughs> what, what cartoon was that? Where it's like I don't know. It's like a glass. It looks like a like a glass, like goldfish bowl or like an old timey uh, scuba scuba helmet. Like a Victorian, where it's just like a glass sphere, and then there's like a floating brain inside of it that's controlling stuff. Uh, I forgot what cartoon it was. Right. Uh, Living next. right along. My uh, my final prediction of what will be hot in 2015 is Persian food. Uh-huh. Um, all kinds of Middle Eastern food have been growing in popularity a lot of it thanks to like the Odalengi books who are doing a lot of Middle Eastern stuff, you know, a lot of zatars and sumacs and pomegranate molassesses and you know, lebnes and whatever it might be. Those those kinds of Isis. flavors. What was that? I- Isis. Isis. They're doing things, right? Uh, you know, all kinds of yes, Isis as well. Um Bad. <laughs> and much uh much like French cuisine, Persian f- Persian and French cuisine have a very similar under underlying tone. Um just their cultures in general are are very similar, kind of like how mm. Thanks Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> kind of like how French and Vietnamese food have, you know, some underlying tones, you know Thanks, what I mean? Thanks Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> Persian food also, you know. It also has a lot of it's a lot of slow braised stews, stuff like that. And I've been a big fan of Persian food for a long time. There's a restaurant that's right by my house called Rafi's Place that does great Persian food. And I think that people are really starting to it, like nobody really knew what it was for a long time, and people, for the most part, still don't really know what's up with Persian food. It's kind of like a weird mystery thing. And a lot of it, much like Filipino food or all these other kind of emerging cuisines, people were very in the dark about it for a long time where you're like, what the heck is going on here? And you really have to take time to wade through a lot of the stuff that may not be palatable to my uh, Caucasian mouth. <laughs> and I feel like people are starting to finally come around to it, and Persian food will be making some some strides this year. On a side note, sort of related to that, is are there any, outside of like Mexican food or like pizza, is there any sort of like ethnic fast food? Um, like is there a fast, or and like Panda Express? Yoshinoya? Fine. Panda Express. But is there anything for Mediterranean food? Um, yeah, there's like a Greek fast food place. Oh, there's there? Daphne's. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's like, I mean like Persian food then. Not for Persian food. I mean, Zanku in LA is starting to become pretty franchised. There's no Sheik Shack. <laughs> oh. That's really what I, that was all that. That's your that closer. That was what all that was for. I'm sorry. Sheik Shack. <laughs> oh. 
Well done. I've got That's one for more. when ISIS wins oh. <laughs> and they take over America. It will become Hero Sheik Burgers. Uh, all right, next. Uh, I think modification of tradition. I would like to see more of that. Uh, there are, you know, the older you get. Modification of tradition. Yeah, I think Ooh. the older you get, the more you're like, you know, anything that you thought your parents said that was. Like deep frying a turkey on Thanksgiving? No, but, you know, like, there's certain things. Like, I, I told Jason this the other day where I will redact certain statements about browning in Asian cultures because. Mm. There are certain soups that are meant to not have such a high fat content, and the point of them is to be very clean tasting. And once you get the Maillard going, like you have all these proteins and sugars that sort of like you know make something really meaty tasting, and you don't always want that. Uh, but I think the, the Maillard reduction would mean reaction is uh, like when you have high heat that hits a piece of protein or, you know, anything actually that has sugar and protein in it. When you see like the brown on the bottom of a pan, cause you're cooking something like whether it be onions or a piece of meat or whatever, that's called the Maillard reaction. And it's like, you want to scrape all that stuff off because that's really where all the meaty flavors are. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you don't necessarily want that. You don't, you know, in, Depending in Western on what you're making. cooking, you kind of always do want that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, prove me wrong, but in Chicken Korean, noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup, you do want that. I want that in chicken noodle soup. I want a really <laughs> rich, hearty broth in chicken noodle soup. Okay. But anyways, modification of tradition in terms of, like, uh, for Korean short ribs, kalbichim, I I think that... Definitely needs browning. I made that for Thanksgiving, and I, I I basically took Korean ingredients and made the dish in a way that like a French guy might make it. And mm-hmm. it was you know I don't, I'm not I'm not the guy to ever say that. Oh my god, I made the best version of it, but that was truly the best version of that dish that I've ever had in my life. That's big. And I would, you know, and I still, there are, there's room to improve. Like I, there's certain other things I would do, but I think, you know, the browning step is huge for a dish like that where it's supposed to be a really, really rich, it's like a celebratory meal. It's not like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just something you eat every Tuesday. It's like a, it's a celebratory meal and you want it to be really rich and hearty and heavy and, and I think, you know. Traditionally, well, in Korean culture, you actually wash all the impurities off of these short ribs. You actually wash them in water, and then you throw that out. Like, you're supposed to wash all the blood out. Uh, and I think that is such a waste, in, in, specifically in that dish. So did you go ahead and turn these short ribs on their head? They don't have heads. They're just ribs. <laughs> did, I, you, yeah. did you change the game? You know, I'm probably not. You're I'm obviously not, not the first person yeah, to do I'm this. Not, but I'm not going to say I'm the first person to ever do that, but traditionally. Roy Choi has been browning off his short ribs. I don't think he does. Since you're in diapers. No, I don't think Roy Choi browns his braises. Ooh. Yeah. Suck it, Choi. I won't say that. I don't even. I think <laughs> even kidding. David Chang does not brown. Like any video of him I've seen making kalbichim at some sort of conference, like, I don't think he browns them. Oh. And I think it's such a huge step. Somebody else is browning them for him? Yeah. No, stop saying that today. Well, Sheik Shack was amazing. Thanks, Chris Chang. I'm very proud it. of you for that. Thank you. Um, I, I I think this was a good episode. I think we got we got it all off our chest. If you guys are listening at home and you have some of your 
own versions of this that you feel like we may have missed or you want to share with us, tweet them over to us. I'm uh, at them jeans. And you are? At Dame Helen Mirren. <laughs> at, at Dame Helen Mirren. <clears throat> he is at Neg Nance, no. short for negative Nancy, N-E-G-N-A-N-C. You don't have to worry about that, though. Identity theft. You can, you can tweet me, at them jeans, send in some, and if we think they are good, we will uh, we'll read, them, read them out on the next episode for you to get your shine. In what year? In the year 2015. That's weird. Isn't it weird? Yeah. Um, if you are a fan of this show, all we ask is that you please just take a quick moment to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a nice rating and review. Five stars. Five stars. If you see us in real life, say hi. If you see us in the streets, say hi. We, uh, <laughs> we're a free pod. We don't have any sponsors. We're just doing this for fun, and hopefully you enjoy it. So if you can do that to help us out, that's all we ask. And thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to a great 2015. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Love you. Bye. 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 Love you. <laughs>